Moments, memories, laughter, pain. It happened, we feel it, we experience it, and it's all part of our story. A conversation that changes everything, a circumstance that gives us perspective, beauty that takes our breath away. Life is happening now and things are moving forward. Our journey is being written and God is in our midst. And if we pay attention, we'll notice. When we trust, He inspires. When we surrender, He redeems failures. He plants vision. When we unite our efforts, we get to be a part of something beyond what we could ever imagine. God changes lives. He builds stories. And building stories is the reason we are here. Man, right on. We're in this series called Vertical Story. We believe that the scripture says that we're all living epistles, meaning we're living and telling the stories of the goodness of God through our lives. How many know that our lives on display bring glory to God? And it's also, the scripture says we're a light unto the world. And so when God uses us and works through us, it's a great testimony. It's a great story unto who God is. And so we're looking at the values of what are some of our stories uh, as a church? What's our story? What are some of our things? And in our lives as Christians, what are What's our story? How are we called to, to live and walk? And so this morning, um, I've just, I, I, I love how God like puts things together. Um, you know, obviously God speaks and he makes plans, and he, but then there's also times where he comes behind it and he really puts like a couple extra exclamation marks on it, if you know what I'm talking about. And so that's kind of what's been happening with this sermon. Um, I've just seen over the last couple of weeks, so much strife and peace being lost in people's lives. Uh, it just seems like more than ever before. I told Scott before service, like, I don't know, maybe because it's Halloween month and Halloween is the devil. I don't know. Some of you are like, does he mean it? Are we supposed to not trick or treat? <laughs> of course you're not supposed to trick or treat, you sinners. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. You should trick or treat uh, and get Skittles. Forget the chocolate. You go get the nerds and Skittles. Those go to my house. Amen. All right, we got some. I'm like, I don't know, is it the month? I'm just hearing all these crazy stories, not of like this bad thing happened and you would go, oh my gosh, that bad thing happened. Of course you're stressed out. More of like, it's not even like these mountains are in people's lives. It's just like these random things are bringing strife and division and discord and robbing people of their peace. I'm looking at these situations going like, that's not hard, that hard to overcome. Why, why is it gripping us so hard? Why are we losing our, our peace over this? I'm just kind of noticing yesterday after Saturday morning prayer, uh, I'm getting in my truck and I'm driving. I get a text from a pastor friend of mine and he's letting me know uh, that he's going to be out of the pulpit uh, on Sunday, and he's considering resigning his church. And he said, I just can't do the stress. I can't do the turmoil. I don't have any peace. Now his church is going amazing. Like they're about to add, add on to their building. They're about to do, do some things. And, and, and I'm sitting here, I'm just like, oh my, oh my gosh, where's this coming from? What is this? And I think the enemy has just been working overtime at stealing from us this promise of peace that we can have in our life. And so we're going to go through like part of our story here. It's not just a cute idea like, oh, love God. He'll give you peace. Like, no, peace is a platform we're supposed to operate from. So I mentioned it in prayer a little bit yesterday. I was like, oh, I'm going to speak a little bit on prayer. And then John texted me later. Nicole had told him I had mentioned it. He said, oh, you got to hear this. So he sends this sermon over perfectly in line with what I'm talking about. And then Vanessa, <coughs> excuse me, she uh, has, they're doing women's study. 
And, uh, and so each week they have a different thing to share. And, uh, and she's like, oh my gosh, she's like, all my stuff is about peace, but I don't get to talk about it till Wednesday. So now they're going to think I just ripped off all your stuff. <laughs> and, um, and she did. I noticed that I left my computer open and she just went in there and just kidding. But all I'm saying is this, those are those extra exclamation points that I'm talking about. When God starts putting all of these things together, it's like, hey, pay a little bit more attention, even though you should pay attention every week, right? But it's, uh, it's like, hey, God is moving in this direction, and it's something that we are to inherit. Are you with me? And so I, I'm just up here to say today that I don't want us to walk away and be like, oh, the scripture says a few things about peace that are cute. No, it's an assignment that we're called to walk in and with as believers, peacemakers, peace bringers, atmosphere changers in regards to the way of peace. Are you with me? And this is how serious I am about this. Okay, get ready. I'm so serious about this topic right now. I'm actually going to read to you a scripture from the New King James Version of the Bible today. That's how serious we're going to get about it. Some of you old churches get it. The rest of you are like, I don't know what he, what's New King James. Is that LeBron James? Is that his Bible will come out after he wins his five more championships in LA, but that's another thing. Mark chapter four, verse 35 says this. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he, speaking of Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him, saying, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And that sounds ridiculous, but how many of us actually prayed the same thing to God? Oh, Lord, can't you see that I'm perishing over here? People are being mean to me, and I didn't get the raise I wanted. I am perishing, right? And we just throw our peace out the same way that they are. Is that none of you in this room? Okay, never mind. So we are perishing. And then this is what's so key. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Here's what's amazing about this is he got up and he operated in his power. He rebuked, right? So Jesus gets up and he says to the circumstances, hey, be rebuked. He walks in the power of God. But then at the same time, he cast what? Peace over the situation. Now, what he could have done being God and being all knowing and being uh, the one full of faith and being the one, he could have got up and said, I rebuke this circumstance. And then he could have looked around and said, who took us on this journey? Why would we go this way? Why are we in this size boat? He could have done it, but he didn't. He gets up and he goes, hey, about this situation, I have the power to overcome it. And I also have the ability to speak peace into it. That should be the picture in the model about how we go forward in our communities and our families and our workplaces is, hey, I have the power to overcome this. And at the same time, I'm going to breed peace into the atmosphere. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And then what he goes on to say is actually a very good lesson here. But he says to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So the fact that they're losing their mind and they're freaking out and they've lost their peace, he's saying what you've done is you've decided to partner and get in relationship and have an engagement with fear instead of faith. Whenever you lose your peace in a situation, when you aren't finding peace and you aren't finding uh, God's perfect peace that surpasses understanding, when you don't have that, it's because somewhere in your life you've engaged and connected and partnered with fear. 
And what is fear? Fear is the opposite of faith. The scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You could back that line all the way up to if you lose your peace, it's impossible to please God. Somebody say, I don't know, you're really stretching it there. No, back up the whole thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we're attaching ourselves to fear, we're not walking in faith. Are you with me? So peace matters is what I'm saying. It really matters that we get peace in our life and peace in our homes and peace in the way that we think and hidden in our hearts. Why? Because it's not just a cute little side item in Christianity. No, it's how we're called to live and operate. Now, I'm a little bit more of a preacher than I'm a teacher, but today I'm going to be a lot more teacher. We're going to just go through a whole bunch of scripture that just reiterates this. People of God, children of God, body of Christ, we're what? We are peacemakers, peace bringers, atmosphere, peace people. Okay, so let's jump into it. I would say it like this. Our inability to keep peace is based on fear and has lack of faith. And here's how that like actually operates. You come into a situation and there's a circumstance that happens and because you don't have peace in that situation or because you're walking in fear or you have lack of faith, what we then start to do in losing our peace, one of the symptoms that you can tell that you're, you've lost your peace and you're walking in fear and you're not in faith, we start doing things like gossiping. Well, I've, lo- I've lost my peace in this situation. I don't feel good about it, so now I'm going to tell that person and talk to this person. I'm going to spread it this way and spray it this way. Are you with me? And God's like, no, 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 we're peace bringers. We don't gossip or we don't exaggerate. We don't add to the story. We don't rehearse the story. Instead, we come in, we bring peace over it. Another way that you can tell that you've lost your peace and that you're living in fear is you start manipulating the situations, right? Because you've lost your peace and you're in fear. And so all of a sudden, the scenarios and the stories, we start manipulating them or we start blaming or we start accusing. Or another big one is you start changing the facts, Instead of being repentive and instead of saying, God, I'm, I'm repenting and I'm turning and I'm putting my faith and hope and trust in you wholly. Instead, you've lost your peace and you're saying, to get my peace back, to get the situation right, I need to start changing the facts and moving the story. Are you with me? We got to be a people that, that, that desire and call for God peace. Whatever the truth and righteousness and correction that even needs to happen in our life, whatever it takes for me to have the godly peace. Uh, I love this verse right here. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. And then it says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The scriptures here starting to tell us like we have a misunderstanding about peace. A lot of you right now, if I described how to make your home peaceful, it would be like, oh, in my house, if I just had enough money in the bank, if we had the right size house, if we just had new cars, if we just had these kind of things, then my life would be full of peace. And that's not the world. This is, this is what the scripture is saying. That's, that's the peace that the world brings, which is temporal, and it fades away, and, wrath and or, uh, rust and moth destroy. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about the peace that surpasses understanding that the Bible talks about, that even though you're in a storm, you can still walk out in the power of God and cast peace. Are you with me? I love this in the New Living Translation. It says it again. It says, I am leaving you with a gift. Jesus speaking, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Imagine somebody gives you a gift like, hey, I've given you this gift of peace. You can use this thing. So I give to my kids, like, hey, here's this gift. You can use this thing in your life. Here it is. Here's the gift. 
So don't let yourself get troubled. Why would you do it this way and be afraid and be troubled and be stressed and be anxious? Why would you be this when you can just come over here and use this gift of peace? And I know that's really blunt in scripture as far as like, it's just that easy, guys. It's just that easy. Go, I realize it's a lot harder to get that to work in real life, right? But our mindset should be that God's assignment is not for us to have troubled hearts. Because if he says it, that means we can have it. How many are with me? Don't be troubled. Don't be discouraged. Don't be anxious. Don't be bare. Instead, walk over here and unwrap the gift of peace that the scripture says he gave to us. The Passion Translation, John 14, 27 says this. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Do not yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Well, what is to yield? Uh, yield, we think of as a sign in the road that means you approach the yield sign and it's the thing that you just roll through, right? <laughs> That's what yielding is. But yielding is, is supposed to be this. You come up to a situation and there's a yield sign and you look at the things on the horizon and you make a decision if you should go forward, right? Yielding. You're yielding to what is happening in front of you. There's another thing that could be happening. I'm yielding. I'm subject to this thing. This scripture is saying, guess what? There is no reason for you to yield to any kind of fear. But instead, step on the gas pedal because it says be courageous. Anybody with me today? This Presbyterian church is struggling. <laughs> um, uh, what does it say instead? It says step on the gas. It says be courageous. It says in those moments of I don't know, is it going to work out? I, don't, I got this fear. It says don't yield to the fear. Instead, step on the gas and go with God and spread peace and speak peace and walk in the power of God. Are you with me? Yielding to fear will cost you your assignment every time. Every time we say, oh, you know what? I'm just going to bow to fear. Whatever this thing is that's got me anxious and stressed and out of alignment, I'm just going to give that thing its right away. You're going to sabotage your assignment in the kingdom of God. Now, you can overcome it, right? I'm not, I'm not saying God's aiming for perfection. You can never have a... I'm just saying every single time we say, I'm going to check down to that, you're going to abort your assignment in the kingdom. Because God is saying that fear doesn't belong. Is there fear in heaven? No. no. So if the scripture says, on earth, as, on earth as in heaven, then how many know we're not subject to fear? Amen. God has given us a spirit of fear? No. God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. That's a peaceful mind. Are you with me? All right, so we'll keep going. Luke chapter 10 even talks about the posture in which we even approach people in relationships. It says this to the disciples as they approach homes. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them or partner with them. If not, it will return to you. Your peace will return to you. Literally, your heart as a Christian, as a believer, when you walk into atmospheres, you should be walking in with the mindset of how can I connect peace in this room today? Right. Not, hey, I'm going to show up in this room and show you how powerful I am. Let's get our power together. Oh, let's get in this room so everyone can see how knowledgeable I am. No, let's go into this atmosphere and say peace, connection, unity, oneness peace. Be, and if somebody resists it, 
which is somebody who resisted is going to be the gossiper, the storyteller, the negative person, the one who's operating under a spirit of discord. Are you understanding? The accuser of the brother. And if you go in and that person is not one who participates in peace, that's okay. Hold, hold your peace. But don't you dare lower the bar and start to connect with that business. Right. So keep, keep your peace. It comes back to you. Why? Because it matters what we do with our peace and how we spend and connect uh, our peace. I thought about Jesus. Okay, you guys, of course, know the story of Jesus. He's leading his disciples, and they all betray him. And, of course, he goes to the cross, and he dies. And uh, the scripture says he's raised from the dead, and he comes back, and he walks among them. And this story here is where we find uh, Jesus coming back to see the disciples for the first time since they've betrayed him. And uh, if I'm Jesus and I just overcame death, hell, and the grave, and those jokers just betrayed me, when I show up to see them for the first time, it's going to be with like the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme song behind me. Like, you know, I'm coming in there like, oh, what's up, jokers? Hey, betrayers. What are you guys doing today? You know, like I'm ready to get them. And I'm going to show them I'm right. And they were wrong. And, they, and he comes in and Jesus' first word as he sees them in Luke chapter 24 Verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, I was right. No, he stood among them and said, peace be with you. Comes in casting again this message of peace be to you. My heart is for you. My heart is toward you. All the times that we can even be right and we can get up on the picket and we can do the thing and we can be right. Jesus had every opportunity to go get them. And he still comes in and says, what's most important between us is that there's peace. Are you with me? Colossians even talks about it for the body of Christ. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It doesn't say let it be just a, a cute little good idea. It says the peace of Christ should be a ruler on the inside of our hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. It's not a cute idea. It's something we're called to. It says, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs of the spirit. Songs of the spirit is free worship. You know, when that weird girl up here just starts singing random stuff that's not on the screen, that's the Bible. Amen. Okay, one of you, we're getting there. <laughs> and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all that you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our assignment as the body of Christ is to let peace rule in our heart and let it be among us as the body. Right. It's to be in peace and operating. The Beatitudes, we see in Mark chapter 5, verse 9, one of the Beatitudes of the eight listed, you see, uh, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers receive blessing on their life. Oh, I just want to get into scripture and figure out all the ways that God can bless me and advance me and prosper me and put me on a platform. One of the ways that God does it is when you're a person who walks into atmosphere and brings peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then it says, for they are the children of God. Let me tell you something. The world is waiting to see a move of the children of God. And one of the ways that the world is going to see it is when we rise up and become the peacemakers that we're called to be. Not the picket sign people, not the haters on social media, not the, are you with me? Yeah. But the people that can come in and say, I love you and I believe God can restore you and I'm not going in. Are you with me? Yeah. Peacemakers. Yeah. The scripture says they'll be called the children of God. The world is waiting to see it. Psalm 34, 14 says this, turn from evil and do good. Yes, amen. Turn from evil and do good. Oh, but with it, seek peace 
And then we're going to double down on this and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. It's like you really need to get it here is what it's saying. It's really good that you turn from evil and you do good, but you do it on a double down at the same time of seeking peace and pursuing it. And so what that means for us in daily living is means this. When you walk into the lunchroom and all the annoying people are there and all the people that talk bad about you and all your haters are there, you get to walk into that atmosphere and do what? Seek peace oh, and pursue it. Yes. You're going to look for peace and how you can, and you're going to pursue it because we're peacemakers and we're blessed when we're people who bring peace. So into your marriage and into your home and raising your kids, guess what you get to do? Seek peace and pursue it. Not seeking what you can get out of it. Not seeking for how you're right. Not seeking. Are you with me? I know it's nobody in here. I'm just doing this for the sake of doing it, but we show up in these job places, these environments, and what do we do? All, all of these environments that we have relational strain, we come in and we seek peace and we pursue it. Social media, I wonder how many of us log on social media and we're scrolling with a heart and a mindset of, I'm just on here to seek peace and pursue it right now. <laughs> but what if we did? What if we did? Psalm 29:11 says this, that the Lord gives strength to his people. Oh, yes, Lord, give us strength. You're mighty to say victory, right? We love all that part of it. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The church has done such a great job proclaiming victory in the Lord's power and all the things that we could do. But we need to start doing a lot better job proclaiming that you can live and lead and bring peace into environments. Are you with me? All right, girl. Let's keep her around. Get her a seat. Uh, I, I like a good argument, okay? I, I, I'm verbal as my gift, uh, I, I think, I hope, I don't know. Uh, but I like a good argument, especially growing up. My mom, uh, she's a horse person, and they cuss a lot. So she said I used to have a diarrhea mouth because I just never stopped. And some of you are like, that's true about him. And, uh, and so I, I like a good argument as much as anybody else. I love, I love to debate things. I love to, you know, you find yourself, some of you good arguing people, the fun kind that like to argue things. And uh, I realize I'm speaking against what I'm preaching. <laughs> but uh, but you good arguers, like we love to have a good argument. All of a sudden you find yourself just arguing about something you don't even believe in anymore, just to keep arguing, right? <laughs> And so as much as I love a good argument, I believe that the church is called the battle. There is a fight, right? And I love the victory story of the overcomer, and I love all that kind of stuff. But the scripture, as much as Ecclesiastes does say that there's a time for war, it also says that there's a time, there's seasons in our lives that peace. There's a time for war, there's a time for peace. And that means always. It's always a time for war. There's always a time for peace. And so, yes, I'm telling you, I'm standing. I don't want us all to turn into don't say anything, don't hurt anybody's feelings, don't do. Yes, there's time for truth and justice, and you stand up, and we don't compromise the Bible. And we, we, but at the same time, our assignment is also to bring peace to atmospheres. Amen. Produce peace for others. All those times of warfare, all those kinds of stuff are to bring peace uh, to atmospheres. I thought about it like this. I love this saying. It says, a bulldog could beat a skunk every day, but is the stink worth the fight? So many of us are so right. We're so right all the time, and we just love to get in there and get them. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right, and you're right all the time, and you got the truth, and, you're, and you can go in there, and you can whoop up on that skunk every day you want to. But is it worth the stink? 
Is it worth the stink that it looks like on social media? Is it worth the stink that it looks like in your workplace, in your marriage? Are you with me? Or is it times that we go, hey, you know what? Peace matters. Yes, I can be right. Yes, I could come in and I could err everybody. But in this situation, maybe I need to just come in and bring peace, of course, with truth. Uh, I even think about how Jesus modeled it. He did not come to earth proclaiming how right he was. He came to earth and showed people how to live. That's why he's called the way. Look, I've come, I'm the way, the truth, and life. I've come to show you how to live. So many of us get caught up on just being right. If we can zing them in a bumper sticker, if I can get them in, are you with me? But, and, and Jesus was all, he was totally right. He was completely perfect, but his heart was about bringing people together. Here's what peace is. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is conflict on the outside, but you don't let it get on the inside. Some of you need to look at your situations and go, I see all of this on the outside, but I'm not going to let this thing get on the inside. Are you with me? That's why the scripture says that even in the, it, the we say, oh, peace, peace is if you would just get these people out of my life, if you could just remove my enemies, if we could just get these people out of here. But that's not what the word teaches. The word teaches is that he'll prepare a place for you, what? In the presence of your enemies. Maybe because God knows you can bring peace into their lives. Proverbs 16, 7 says this, a man's ways please the Lord. He make, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Abraham, there's this amazing story where he gets into a, uh, uh, God calls him, father of many nations, says you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. You're like going to be this blessing machine and nation. He gets into this business deal with Lot and they start fighting. They start losing their peace. There's strife in the situation. And so Abraham says, listen, uh, you decide, you pick what you want. We're going to divide this. We're going to go separate ways, but I'm not going to lose my peace over this situation, even though I know God promised that I'm the head and not the tail and I'm going to be the blesser, and I, but at, I'm not giving up my peace. And so, of course, Lot decides to take all the good cattle. He takes the better land, but you just read chapters later that then Abraham became the wealthiest person in all the land. Why? Because he chose peace and being a peacemaker over being somebody who just wins the fight. Are you with me? I'll close with this. The scripture says David couldn't build the temple because he had bloody hands. Of course, the things that had happened in his life, he couldn't build the temple. But Solomon, the scripture said, was chosen. And the scripture says, now that you've had rest on every side, you're chosen to build God's temple. I wonder if one of the deciding factors about Solomon's life was God could look down and say, he's a person who's protected and kept and has peace. Now it's time to build. Are you with me? We can't let things be dysfunctional and think we're going to get away with it. Uh, I've told you some dirt bike stories. There's this term we use in dirt biking called huckabuck, and it's when your balance is off and you're not going to save it. You're going fast through jumps and through things, and when that balance gets all off, there's no bringing it back. Maddie, our wonderful worship leader's husband, just experienced this about a month ago. We were racing at our dirt bike track, and we got this what's called a whoop section, and it's called a whoop section because whoops happens in that section. And uh, that's what Ben did. He was going fast through this section and it was one of our bigger jumps at the end of the section, which is a really stupid build, but we're not changing it. Amen, Scott, we ain't getting out of that. But uh, you go through these things and the, the whole key to doing a jump is you gotta keep balance. You gotta be even, you gotta have throttle control because if you got too much gas, then you're leaning back. If you let off at the wrong time, you're going forward if your legs aren't. And so once you've hit the air, you're in trouble because you only have two wheels to land on. It's not like a four-wheeler. And so he got it all wrong in the whoop section. He thought he could still power through his dysfunction. Are you with me? He lost his peace 
and he thought he could power through. And when that thing hit the air, his bike started to go sideways. And I'm telling you, there was nothing he could do at that point to land that thing. So we hit the ground and I'm sitting with Maddie uh, at our dugout area and we hear the motor and then nothing. You just hear trees snapping. So we jump up and run over there. Sure enough, he crashed. Why? Because so many of us do the same thing Ben did. I'm good. I'm fine. This will work. I'm not. And we leave our pieces gone. And how many of you look back at the end of the year and you go, oh my gosh, where did our year go? I feel like we got nothing. Yeah, you've lost your peace all year long. You haven't kept priority. You haven't kept principle in your life. And you look back and go, oh my God, there's no saving it. You're, you're huckabuck and, you're, and you've lost your peace and you crashed. He tore his pants wide open, like all the way down. I'm talking like, I shouldn't say it in church, but it's after 12, so I think we're okay. I mean, dude had buttless chaps on. His motocross pants. And uh, <laughs> I'll stop there. I love how she's like perfectly plain. I'm talking about her husband. <laughs> so they're all tore up. And uh, as funny as that is to this room, that's some of us. You got all lost your peace, got all crazy. Your britches are torn up and you're all, I'm fine. I don't have my pee. The best part is Maddie told me this week, she's like, I'm just going to sew them up for him. And I was like, Ben, Maddie's going to sew them up for you. <laughs> like with guitar strings. Like, what is that going to be? Bro, you might as well just tape them at this point. Like, I'm going to like, yeah, anyway. So are you done? Are you good? You'll do fine, Maddie. It'll be good. Next time, so Ben, he's that real handsome man that plays right here uh, on the thing. So we'll let him wear the pants uh, after she fixes them, and y'all can decide. <laughs> but as funny as all that is, it's true how we lose our peace, and it's fine. It's fine that I have such discord with this group over here. It's fine that I've lost my peace over here, and I'm huckabucking in this situation, and I'm da -da -da. gonna split your britches, people. <laughs> and uh, that's your Twitter quote, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> The New Testament, how much did they believe in this peace concept among one another? How did New Testament believers even greet before they even engaged one another? Before they even participated in anything, they walked up to each other and they said what? Shalom, which is what? That's how they greeted each other, Shalom, which is what? I want you to know from the beginning that my heart toward you is peace to you, not hear my agenda. You got to know how smart I am. You got to know how much money I have. No, my heart to you is, guess what? Peace above all in our relationship. The names of God, even the name of God, Jehovah Shalom, what? He's, he's the God of peace. It's literally who God is. So it matters that we keep our peace. I'll say it like this. Anybody who has your peace controls you. Anything Thing that has your peace controls you. That's why God gave us structure when it comes to our finances. Why? Because he doesn't want you to lose your peace in debt, in buried. Are you with me? So it's important for us to keep, keep our peace. What is it? Maybe for you, it's time to talk to a counselor, right? You just go, hey, look, I, I, here's the areas that I'm losing my peace. I need some help in this situation. And it's talking to somebody. Maybe for you, it's just more structure. You just go, look, I got to get the balance right in my life so that I don't lose it. And so you look at your calendar and you say no to some things. Maybe it's some people you got to get out of your life, right? They are just sowing discord. They're accuser of their brethren. And, uh, and it's time for you to say, you know what? I got to keep my peace and bring this back in. Because anybody who has your peace controls you, anything that has your peace controls you. God needs to be in control and he can give us that peace. Amen. That's why the scripture says, uh, I skipped over it, but the scripture says that God, it give, he gives us the ability 
Uh, the scripture says, I got it right here, Philippians 4. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that passes all of our normal human understanding, and it only comes from God. It's not a quick book you can read or a thing or like a next self-help. It's God being in our hearts and in our minds, giving us that perfect peace. Amen.